What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, third show in a week. We had a, we did a we did a live show the other night after Sir Jim did his uh, extended spiel to the world. Mm. And uh, we've had a we've had a couple of days or maybe a day and a half, the way that it looks, uh, to digest that a little bit more. But obviously, if, you, if you'd like our reaction to that, go back and listen to the last show that we did. It should be on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, etc. But Rob and I are back to talk more Manchester United. Anything? Oh, Rob, that, that is a... For the audience, would you just like to express which year Man United kit that is? What year? Well, it's ancient and it's an original. I got it when I was a teenager. So this is this is the Cantona kit, obviously, famously when Mr. Cantona at Selhurst Park kit. kit. Yeah. jumped into the stand and did what he did, uh, which lives on in folklore. But uh, yeah, I just it, I, I dragged it out the other day. I saw it this morning, so I thought, oh, let's put it on. And, and I, I quite like still things originally that have got that badge on it. You know, if I can show it to the camera there, of course, that's the original Manchester United Football Club badge. Um, there's no talk of that obviously being reinstated yet, Scott, but that would be nice. I'd quite like that. Hmm. For the benefits of uh, people on audio, uh, Rob is wearing that, as we say, that Cantona kit where he... Kung Fu kicked a fan at Selhurst Park. One of the most, one of the craziest moments in the history of Manchester United. But today we'll be talking all things clear out. Uh, There is, Jim Ratcliffe did not shy away from talking about FFP and the limitations that it may put on Man United and how erroneous spending over the past few years has potentially affected what they can do moving forward. So how do they address it? Mm. You'd have to think Ineos and Dan Ashworth, if he ever ends his gardening leave, he's been on it for about three days, four days now. Yeah. You know, it's been raining. Won't be so, doing a lot of gardening the last few days. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. He uh, might need to get back into work at some point, but Jim Ratcliffe called that a bit silly, the, pr- the proposition of uh, 20 million and 18 months worth of gardening leave. But Dan Ashworth could be on his way in to help maybe a head of recruitment could come in as well down the line to help uh, correct the mess that is the Man United squad. Cause we all know that it is that don't we Rob? We do. But uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that on the show today and just how United can make a few decisions to give themselves the best chance of rebuilding the squad pretty quickly. Now I know Ratcliffe has said it'll take two or three years. Rob said the other day, it might, he thinks it might take longer I'm more in that camp. I think if you have enough sensible people in there who are good at their jobs, I think you can correct a few of these mistakes pretty quickly, turn things around. And I think you might see sharp improvements when you get to see players who are able to play in an adapted system that the manager wants to play. I think you'll start to see better things pretty quick because what we see a lot of the time is bad Manchester United. Anyway, uh, that's what we'll be talking about today. We'll look ahead to Saturday's game as well with Fulham. 
What will United do at left back? We'll maybe touch on that towards the end of the show. Luke Shaw is out for most of the rest of the season, just like Leach and Martinez. And we barely had them all season. So mm. maybe Luke Shaw will even come up in the what do United do with the squad topic as well. But subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Watch us on YouTube as well. We're near a milestone on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed already, please do because uh, we're close. Uh, the Promised Land, the Man United podcast, is where you can find it. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment as well. Hit the notification bell so you never miss a show. And follow us on socials at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B. And at Promised Land MU. That's not what it is. At TPL MUFC, force of habit. At TPL MUFC on X as well. But Rob, <clears throat> right. So clear out time because you know, or we know, that United have spent a lot of money uh badly mm. anthony is a good, great example of that he really is harry maguire great example of that but uh the the fallout from that and the reporting since ratcliffe has spoken names up to i think 11 players potentially i'm, I'm looking at names like aaron wambasaka rafa Varane, victor lindelof harry maguire casemiro scott Tomine, christian erickson Donny van der Beek, Jaden Sancho, Brandon Williams, Palistri, Anthony Martial as well. United are under pressure to uh, reverse their position. And I've just fired off a bunch of names there. I don't know how we're going to play this. What would you like to do? Would you like well, to take it player by player or general rule of uh, general way of working first? Well, we'll start with the overview because I think everyone knows I normally say that you don't do clear outs. One of my little catchphrases every summer transfer window. Why is that? Well, when you have a structured business over a period of time, even with the Glazers, it's difficult to move assets if you've been giving them contracts in the last two, three, four years because you kind of promise something and yes, you can sell them. But to clear everyone out in one go leaves you vulnerable, both financially in many aspects, but also in the kind of the wider depth of your squad. The one time that you can really clear out is when you have a new owner or complete new administration because they can justify it. They can come in and they say, they can say, well, these eight, nine, 10 contracts really don't meet with our philosophy moving forward. Therefore, it's time to move those contracts. They can also use the excuse, Scott, of poor performance. So they can say, right, well, this player, we've had them for two, three, four years. And yeah, they did all right in the start there. You know, this, you could say Rashford or even a Bruno Fernandes or these players on the higher end of the, of the scale. It's very easy to do the, oh, let's sell Jaden Sancho because we know why. You know, there's those players there that, that you could just trim out your squad immediately to have an upside in terms of cash. I do think that this is this point here with Sir Jim Ratcliffe is that he will be looking at the squad within the OS with Dale Brailsford and they'll be looking at this and going, right, we need to chop a big chunk of this out because we need that money. That money needs to be recycled into new players. Yes. Ineos can put money into the football club, and I'm sure they will, and that'll be part of the transfer kitty. When you get to the summer transfer window, you're going to have to make some big decisions now in the next six months about who you keep and who you lose. I actually think, Scott, this is an opportunity here now to, to really cut a huge chunk of the squad out that, let's be honest, hasn't really helped you develop. Like, if we look at the last 12 months, even with the injuries, Manchester United have not gone on stylistically or in terms of the... the the kind of philosophy of the football club, but we know that they've been treading water, haven't we, for six months because of injuries and because of the buyout. So I think that's kind of where we're going to go today because there's a lot of players I think that, that people might be surprised that I'm going to mention today that could be sold in the summer. 
because I think you're at that point. This is a big opportunity now <clears throat> for, for Manchester United to kind of press the reset button. There's a few contracts expiring. I mean, even if yeah. you just list Anthony Martial, who will leave in the summer, and Rafa Varane, who it looks like he will as well, because both of their contracts are up. I know United have been talking about potentially offering Rafa Varane lower terms. He's actually playing at the moment and mm. playing well, but he's a, he's a massive earner. And do you really want to take that decision with his past record of injuries? That's yeah. five hundred thousand pounds plus that you could shave off your wage bill just in one click of a finger. Yeah, and I think I think like you know you mentioned at the top of the show, and obviously we talked about it in our last show. Three years. So this is the magic number now. Three is the magic number. I nearly sang it, but you look at it. Is Rafa Varane in three years' time going to be helping your project achieve that goal? Of course, we know the answer to that is no. Like, he wasn't even in the team a few months ago. So he's covering now. And I think you need to look at absolutely everyone like that, Scott. So, yeah, copy Manu. Totally. Three years' time. That's cool, isn't it? He's young. You know, Garnacho, young. I think the young players who are in the squad or the younger younger side of the players, totally fine. But even your 28-year-old, Scott, you got to look at them and go, hang on, when they're 31, are they going to be getting Man United to challenge with Man City in three years' time when you, you hit that magic three-year period? So they will be building in the middle of that, but that also means you make those hard decisions now on those players because it's better to bring in and develop than it is to sit on someone and say, oh, well, we'll just wait and see. Because that, of course, was the Glazer way of doing it, was just bye, 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 but sit on these contracts. Anthony Martial, absolutely 100% out the door. He can't help you. He gets injured all the time. And he's, he's kind of failed in his opportunities, hasn't he? So there's quite a few players like that at Man United. And we'll obviously talk about a few of them today. Should we go back to front? Why not? Right. So oh, Goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, Tom Heaton. <laughs> uh, you know, no. Andre Onana has not convinced anybody really, has he? I mean, I mean you can point to certain metrics. I think people show up that his safe saves versus his XG is actually quite good. It's very good. Uh, but at the same time, does he pass the eye test? In the in the sense of, he's, I think his distribution is start, like he's, there was a couple of times in the Luton game as well where his distribution was quite good. He mm. nearly played in Diogo Dallo like with a direct straight ball. Clever run as well. Nearly played him in for just a one-on-one -on -one chance with the keeper, but for a bit of miscontrol. But obviously... Goalkeeper's first port of call is to goalkeep, isn't it? Keep goal. And, uh, we, we, <laughs> keep goal. We have uh, we have seen several occasions so far this year. Although maybe not so many recently. Maybe you could look at the Luton goal and think, yeah, you could have done better. But all those glaring mistakes seem to come a few months ago. Yeah. So like, you said that the first first job is to keep goal and. If if we were going just down that line, then he could sit in the room and go, "Well, look at my my save percentages. I keep goal all right, you know." And he has got the best in the Premier League, so like I think it's actually not about that. I think it's more about the function, the overall. So as you said, that ball there was definitely a set piece move, obviously with Jagadelo inverting and going into the middle. It's something they've obviously practiced, but I think the problem there, Scott, it is about how you feel about Andre Onana now. So you're getting to that point. I think if it still feels like it feels now in the summer, then there are questions to be asked. 
I do think that his future is intrinsically linked to the manager's. He is the manager's goalkeeper. He's the he's the guy that United went and spent sixty million on when they could have spent that sixty million on someone else. People behind the scenes now will be saying, "Should we have kept De Gea another year and done it a different way and got a younger goalkeeper to work with him?" Those questions are being asked. I think the thing is with Anana, can I just say on that? Can I just jump? Sorry, but do you want to finish your first? No, no, go in. I'll say. De Gea still should have left. Yes. The The question that you have to ask is, was Andrea Nana the right replacement? Correct. And did you need to spend 60 million in that blink of an eye at that moment? So like, I think this is the whole thing is that Man United last year, again, we, we, we I'm not going to be a hypocrite about it. In the early parts of that transfer window in the summer, we were like, yeah, we like these, these signings. You've got a new goalkeeper. We've got Mason Mount. You know, you've got rid of your veg horse off the bill and Sabitzers, you know, these loan signings. It looked okay. You know, you were happy with it. The truth is, in hindsight now, hindsight is telling you something slightly different. <laughs> That's the truth. So, like, I think if you look at that David Hay, you know, David Hay still hasn't got another club, has he? You know, and that's still, that's been going on and off for, for a while. But there is a there is a, a method there now that, that the new people at Man United in the Ineos group might be looking at that and going, well, hang on. Was that £60 million good business? Because in three years' time, is Andre and Nana going to be between our sticks to help us win the title? I think already, at the end of this season, you might be looking at that and going, well, actually, no. He's a bust. He's all right. He can do certain things, but it doesn't feel good. And you can tell the defence doesn't feel good and the midfield doesn't feel good. And Eric Ten Hag's brought this goalkeeper in and hasn't been able to use him kind of in the stylistic properties of playing up from the back. That's not worked this year yet. All of those things, I think, are completely on the table. And I think with the goalkeeper at sixty million pounds, you were not you're not going to get any kind of recoup on that tomorrow. You're just not. No one's going to pay that kind of money for him. But you'd have to decide in the summer that maybe you you go right. Okay, we'll stick with Anana for another year, but we're actually going to bring in a younger goalkeeper at twenty one, who is perfect for our project. And in three years' time, Scott, that twenty one year old will be the number one. That's our method. That's the madness. And you know, Andre Anana, a couple of years. Thanks for your service. Goodbye. We'll sell you for 15 million, 20 million. You can go somewhere else. So that's how you squad build. That's how you actually plan for the future. I really think this goalkeeper, it, it, it's so hit or miss, isn't it? Because I think he's had some really good games at times, but I think he's also had some shockers. Like we said, the last game, that whole can't put his hands in front of his face thing worries me because his hands are always in the wrong place that's a technical problem. That's for the manager to sort out with him and say, well, hang on, you've got to be doing these things a lot more if you want to be in the Premier League. You mentioned there about selling Onana like in a theoretical world for 15 million quid. I think that's, people might think, look at that or re- listen to that and think, that's crazy. You can't take a loss on him. They're going to have to eat some losses. They, they are really going to. Like they, they, It's not Ineos' fault that United have made these calls. No. What they have to do is assess the squad as it is and like the values that these players actually have relevant to the market. Because as I, I said, say this frequently, the only place you're really selling for big money is to either a Premier League rival as Chelsea have been doing. And even that is potentially out of the question, but by the looks of January or Saudi Arabia mm. or PSG. And not a lot of these clubs, not the Real Madrid, the Real Madrid's like, you know, they, they are very specific with the transfer targets that they have in most cases they're building their squad very, very carefully mm. uh, and with some elite players, obviously. Barcelona, knowing it, like everyone knows how well-documented those problems are. Mm. Bayern Munich, 
last summer was just a a crazy one. You know, I think yeah. that was the most anti Bayern Munich transfer window, and especially Eric Dyer in January. Not worked, Mad. does it? <laughs> you know, like crazy. T- Tuchel's leaving now. I'm, I'm not yes. surprised at that at all. But Italy, same case. You know, there's not many options, really. Like no. it, uh, Inter, for example, replaced Andre Onana with Jan Sommer, who came in for nothing. Exactly. Next to nothing. So, <laughs> and you could And that's the Jan kind of business you could have done. You could have done that kind of business. You could have actually gone, oh, John, we'll bring a summer or someone like that and gone and keep De Gea for an extra, give De Gea reduced terms like we don't obviously know what De Gea would have been prepared to take. I think the feeling is he wasn't happy to go too low. We understand that. He's kind of had a big holiday, hasn't he now? But you, there, there were other routes. Now, I definitely advocated the Andre Anana side because we liked what we saw in the Champions League. The problem is, Scott, is that the method to that madness hasn't materialised. We've not seen, you know, we don't feel good about it. So, Again, with the change of ownership, I'm going to keep saying it like that because it does feel like a complete change of ownership. This is not a Glazer thing now. This is now an Ineos thing. I think they will look at that from the front end and go, this guy worries us every week. We're at every game and he can't do basics. But, you know, he had a good game last week or he had a good game three weeks ago. But then this week, he can't put his hands in front of his face and can't save the ball when it's like three inches from him. So... Mm. So I put, so like you just said there, I think he's on the table and I actually think re- value is relative. You can't look and go, oh, this is what Ed Woodward used to do. Oh, we paid 60 million for him. So we're not going to take anything under 58. That's it. In fact, let's give him a new contract to protect his value. That's right. <laughs> and that is, and he'll be right in two years time. Anthony Martial, we talked about Jose Mourinho on the last show and what Mourinho had said. One of the things that Mourinho objected to was that United just basically said, well, these six players, we're going to give them contracts because we want to keep them here. Obviously, Anthony Martial was one of them. And the whole idea was that they weren't being kept for performance. They'd be being kept for potential. And that's okay when someone's 21 <laughs> or when someone's 18, totally. But when someone's a bit older, you've got to be getting something out of them every week. And that's the Andre and Arna thing here is that I don't think he's a bad goalkeeper at all. It's just that I don't know if he gets you in three years' time to the Premier League title. I just don't feel that today. He could change our minds, of course. But it's between him and, and Eric Ten Hag to work that out, to make sure that he becomes a more viable goalkeeper. Just tell him to put his hands up, Scott. Like, just put your hands up, please. You know, he doesn't, he keeps that, he's down here and he, it, it, everything hits him on the shoulder in the face and goes in the goal. So, like, you know, technically, I put that on the coaching because I think the coaches have to make him better or push him towards a different standard. And that's how he'll stay at Man United. Otherwise, Scott, three years' time, he's gone. Like, he'll be gone no, one or two years' time. You're moving on to a younger goalkeeper that really does fit the modern goalkeeper profile of playing on the ground and being able to save the ball. There's been, obviously, Altai Bayern was, was signed in the summer yeah. as well. There's already, like, speculation coming from Turkey that he could go back to Turkey. He's barely played a minute. He played against yeah. Newport, didn't he? That's he played it. against Newport, played all right. I, yeah, he was all right, but at the same time, I think if if you can, and maybe this isn't a priority for United, but if you can, along the lines of what you said, if you sign your 20, 21-year-old keeper who you think can succeed, you can maybe play him in cup games and give him a bit of experience. Maybe he's got top-level experience elsewhere already, but you feel hmm. like this could be the one. That's what you do. And there's loads kind of like when there. Kind of like when Courtois was brought to Chelsea. Yeah, it was went Remember? off alone for four years. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did I really know. well. I I was covering La Liga at the time. Obviously, he was at um, uh, Atletico, and it was always like Chelsea ever going to take him back? 
because it's like he's really good and he became so settled in Madrid. He was like, I don't want to go back to Chelsea. But then, of course, he did. And then he did quite well. And I think he, I think he was out on loan for like three years, I think it yeah. was. So, but with a young goalkeeper, you can certainly do that. You can place them somewhere and let them develop and let them ferment over time in, in a team and then kind of drag them back. Man United have not been at all good at stuff like that in years gone by. They've not been able to look progressively because they're just very regressive. You know, they just look at instantaneous fixes that generally don't fix you. So I think Andre and Arne are definitely first name on the chopping block potentially. I've run through the defenders, right? So mm. I don't know how many of these we'll see go. We've already talked about Rafa Varane, but yeah. Victor Lindelof, Maguire, Sandra Martinez, Malassia, Varane, Dallow, Shaw, Wan-Bissaka, Johnny Evans, Cambuala, and then loaned out Pierre, Brandon Williams, and Alvaro Fernandez as well. There's mm. a lot of players in there. Um, obviously, we've done Varane already. I know, I, I don't know how sold you are on Dallow, but I think he's definitely a player worth keeping around because I think he's made improvements. He can play both sides. Maybe not so well in your in your eyes, mm. uh, but I, I think there's a player in there that you can potentially coax more out of, and I think we're starting to see that. Uh, but obviously there's questions about a few players. Harry Maguire came... We didn't really come close to leaving last year, did he? But United tried. Mm. Uh, he and Lindelof have been playing for United for a good few years now. Will it be one of them? Will it be both of them who are sold? or offloaded. Molassi has been injured all season. We'll come to Luke Shaw last. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. do, do Luke Shaw at the end at the end of the section. But anyone anyone you want to pick out on that list? We start with Delo there. I, I think Delo as a squad player, totally fine. You know, absolutely can play left, can play right. You're seeing in this transfer in, in this injury crisis, which we're still in, that you need players that can do stuff. Like you can do that. Do I think again that Delo can be a first choice right or left back in a three-year plan down the line, three years to take you to the title? Absolutely not. I don't think he's good enough. And I think we've seen enough of that. Form is cool. His form is good at the moment, but I don't think he's that player. But it doesn't mean you get rid of him. You know, it doesn't mean that's not the reason why you do it. You know, so you could sit with him. I think when you look at the the bigger names there and you look at people who have been established at the club, you could look at, you know, Maguire and Lindelof, I think are kind of the first two obvious ones. I think with Maguire... You've seen that in a kind of short space of time this year, that before his injury, is that there is quality there somewhere. There's something in Harry Maguire where he could help you in your squad. Problem is, Scott, is that Harry Maguire wants to be a star. So I think this is kind of where it comes to. And again, I think when you get to the end of the season, I don't think anyone would be comfortable if you were going into next season if Maguire was a bona fide starter. Like, I think he's good again for your for the atmosphere around the squad and said that, you know, he kind of knuckled down and got back in the team and did really well. But there's that. But you could sell him, but it depends about how much you could sell him for. Is there a, a, a scenario here now, Scott, and I think this could happen, where Maguire takes lesser terms on a contract and stays at Man United and he becomes your older statesman? You know, so you lose your Varans. I think you lose your Lindelofs, like being completely honest. Like, I think the time has come to move Lindelof on, especially the contract he's on at the moment. And maybe you keep one of these guys in terms of the mix somewhere. Someone, again, who's, you know, English, has the leadership levels and all of these things that I think Ineos are also talking about. So I think with Maguire, the jury is out. I think you get to the end of the season and you look at that. Is Harry Maguire one of your more sellable assets? Well, if he has a good season, absolutely. You know, I think if you get to the end of the season... If you want 
40 million for him, maybe. Like, we're not ever going to talk world record fees anymore for Harry Maguire. I think that West Ham option is going to go, though, by the way. The West Ham option might go, but other options might pop up. Yeah, because there are owners coming into football and stuff changing. Like, you know, maybe a Wolves need him. You know, there are there are teams, you know, Brighton, you know, they've you know, they've shown they can do something with a Lewis Dunk. They could definitely do something with a Harry Maguire. Let's come on, they can do it. So it's all about, I think all of that is is relative and subjective. But I think when you I'm thinking more about the squad build now at Manchester United. Now this won't be popular because you mentioned Lissandra Martin. They say we all love Lissandra Martinez, don't we? If you're Ineos coming in, you might look at Lissandra Martinez and just get complete cold feet because of the injuries. You might look at him and go, hang on, we're looking at the medical reports here now. Long-term, three years' time, again, is this guy going to be our, our left centre-back? Now, we all love what Lissandro's done on a football pitch, but his availability is potentially a problem. And again, I think his future, again, is intrinsically linked to the managers. It's his, it's his signing. So it's a wait and see with that. I, I wouldn't want to say that you'd sell Lissandro Martinez, but he actually might be someone, again, that's got a proper sellable value if you're looking at bringing in pieces and selling actual chunks that make you cash. He might be more sellable, Scott, than a Maguire in the setting of the squad. I don't know what you think about that. What you, I know you're a Lissandro fan. What do you think? Yeah, he's one of my uh, one of my favourites. I, I know that... Um, <clears throat> I think he was unlucky with his last injury. Like, obviously, I think... Everyone's unlucky <clears throat> with injuries. That can really happen to anybody. I don't think it's a, it's a reflection on him being injury prone. I think there's just the way that... Hmm. You see the amount of knee injuries in football nowadays. It, they they are very very common. Happen to almost everyone. MCL, ACL, whatever. But, but he's also combative. So like I know we like that, but actually the, the project might look at that and go. Actually, he's too reckless. He's going to get injured because he throws his body in everyone. We need a, a cool centre back that runs the game. We need a more John Stonesy type player or a D, or Diaz, someone who actually has more control of their faculties we love the kind of helen leather side of what martinez has brought and we we like actually leadership and we know the manager likes that as well don't we but you might again look forward and go well actually we want a center back that doesn't make big tackles we want him to manage the game from the back we want him to play out and we don't want them flying in because that's actually scott what modern football clubs are trying to do they're trying to get center backs that play football and don't actually have this kind of like we're going to go and smash everyone mentality so that's why i say that because i think that is on the table i don't you know i like lissandro i like like you i'm i'm a fan of his the butcher i love all of that you know such such fun to watch him but he's going to get injured scott because he puts himself about and and he's not the biggest and that will affect him you know we saw that in this last this last injury like you said there it's unfortunate but you need people to manage themselves as well that's on the table I've already said, uh, like, I think United need a, a left and a right centre back this summer. Yeah, like, if they can, I think that is massive for them. It's imperative. Um, I think you, I think you, I think you definitely got to go there. You're looking for a partnership, aren't you? Like, I think that's it. Like going forward to this three-year plan, you need two centre backs that are your Rio and Vidic somewhere. Yeah, you, you Portugal make loads of them, by the way. Exactly, like Antonio you know, Silva and Inacio. That they're, they're two playing for two of the biggest clubs in Portugal who are primed for. Big moves. You got Diamande at Sporting as well. Obviously, Branthwaite in the in the Premier League with Everton is, yeah. is the, the player that's linked a lot of the time as well. So there, there are players out there growing every week. Like mm-hmm. Branthwaite, Branthwaite, it's like literally like this, isn't it? Like he, he, by the time he gets to the transfer market, he's going to be worth a hell of a lot of money, and Everton might need to sell, obviously, for for their financial reasons. Ruben Diaz, like you just said there about yeah. Portugal. Ruben Diaz, when when City signed him. 
we were all again like, it's a good player. We know what he's done. But, you know, does he take you to a level where maybe you're you're on the brink of a treble or something like City have achieved in the last 12 months? He's proved it. Now, he's also had injuries, hasn't he? But they've used him sympathetically. He's come in and out of the team. They've got coverage. They've bought Ake. They've got other players around him, Akanji. I think that's where you have to do it. You have to find someone that can give you consistency every week that just turns up and doesn't, that you don't even know they're there. And he's one of those players like Diaz doesn't shine every week. Centre back shouldn't shine. They shouldn't be making big tackles and saving you. You shouldn't be doing what Aaron Wamasaka has to do with these mad slide tackles. They actually should be controlling the game and you control it from centre back. So I'm with you. I think two centre backs is absolutely imperative. That is a left back imperative then because obviously Malassi has mm. been out all season. The question should be asked now that Luke Shaw, I like Luke Shaw. I really do. I think he's really good. Me there's too. a There's a lot of debate about whether he fits in the world-class bracket, whether he's among the best left-backs in the world. I think when he's on it, I think he's among Man United's best players. I think when he plays in the team, you see exactly what he can do. He really helps out Marcus Rashford. He's natural. He's got great experience now. He's been at United for a decade. And good player. But mm. if you're injured as much as Luke Shaw is, I'm sure this disappoints him. But if you're injured as much as Luke Shaw is, you have to make a call at some point. You yeah. cannot go another five years with your left back missing as many matches as Luke Shaw misses. Like, I like him, but at some point, you have to look at it and stop being nice and think, I need someone who's available, even if he's not as good as you. I need someone who's available. Mm. that can do the job so we can work with them. Luke Shaw now, what? Late 20s. Yeah, been at the club almost 10 years. Um, in the 10 years he's been at Man United in that period, he's now missed 202 games through injury. 202 games. Let that sink in. So I'm a fan of Luke Shaw. Like you just said, there, there's always a debate about the world-class thing. And I think he's shown for England as much as Man United, I think, in the big scenarios that he's done really well for England at the top end of tournaments and stuff, been very important for Gareth Southgate. I think, again, you have to apply that three-year rule, Scott. Like in three years' time, is Luke Shaw not going to have bits of his body falling off to the point of, is he going to be able to help you win a title or become title contenders? If Man United really want to show that in three years' time that they can compete with everyone else that's you know improving at the same time, you have to think like that. I think the problem with Luke Shaw, again, with these injuries, is that he's not going to get less injured. Just is not. I'm sorry. He's 28, but he started at 16. So he's had a 12-year full Premier League career already. His body is going to be failing him. Again, if I'm Jim Ratcliffe, if I'm Ineos, if I'm Dave Brailsford, if I'm Dan Ashworth, I'm looking at that now and I'm going, we could sell this guy now, probably get 40 million, 50 million, 60 million, something for him in the top end when he's fit. Do you really think that's possible? I, I don't think that's possible. I, I think it depends, again, who, who wants him. Like, I, I, it really does depend. And this is why there's always this kind of the West Ham angle. There's always clubs in the middle of the pack that have actually got quite a lot of money. You know, they're in the top 20 or 30 earners in the world, but they're mid-table Premier League teams. So there's always someone there that can go, well, hang on, this guy is proven at this level and we'll take a punt on him because we're going to spend 300 million this year on on new players and we need some experience i think with luke shaw as well he is a leader so united's problem is that they've always kept him to keep on developing him and i think he's i think it's good i think he's proved himself i really do i think he's he's a top left back and top left backs top full backs people want want these people i'm not saying that you could go get 
elite money for him. Like he's not going to be a hundred million left back or something. But I think there is a market there. And it depends where it is a market. Might be abroad, Scott. Might be team abroad. Might look at Luke Shaw and go, actually, we like him for two or three years. You know, when Trippier left Tottenham, you know, and went to Atletico and everyone again went, what's all that about? Why is he going to Atletico Madrid? And it worked. Atletico were proven. They won the title that year with Trippier. Trippier's come back to Newcastle and is now kind of celebrated, lauded fullback. So at the time he was at Tottenham, he was a failure, he was a bust. So I think you look at Luke Shaw, if he's fit, I think someone will want him, but you have to decide whether you want him. You have to decide whether you're going to stick with this guy. Me, personally, I like Luke Shaw. Business hat on, I'm selling him. I'm selling him because I think you go and get a left back. Left back and fullback position, Scott, for me, is almost the most important position on the pitch now because of how much you do. You don't just, you're not just backwards and forwards and defending. You, you infect everything. You invert, you cross the ball, you're on the edge of the box, you're in the box, you do everything and you need to be fit. And if you're not fit, you can't do it. Luke Shaw can't do it in three years' time. I, I I believe that already. I'm looked to that and I think, well, and I look that's why I look at him and I also look at the Sandra Martinez is that they might be your most sellable assets out of that back four. And if you want to make money and you want to make it quick so you can go buy younger players, I, I just don't. Do it. I don't think it. I, I with the injury records, I, I don't think you sell. I don't. I don't think there's a club that buys him at honestly, all for, for the for the type of money that you want. When you you gave the example of Trippier, he was sold for twelve million quid mm. or something. So like, that might be the hit. I just would take his wages. He's would one of the big wage round, earners. He's but you just, need you mm. need somebody else to be ready to overtake him. I think we've seen enough of Malassia to say that he's an understudy at best. So you need somebody else yeah. for me. And I, I'm, I just, I'm not I, saying you wouldn't buy. I'm saying you would buy. Like again, if you, if you want to build up a war chest very quickly, you're actually probably going to look at your top, your bigger players and players that are more established to sell because they've just got a bigger market overall, a quicker market. I think you're right. Like I think with things to Luke Shaw, you're not going to get big money for him and you might actually get any, nowhere near the kind of money you want, but he's actually still relatively young. He's like 28. So he's not, he's not completely old. It would be about how you'd sell into a football club. And again, you might look at, I keep using Wolves as an example. I don't know why. But there are clubs like Wolves in that middle of the pack that go, oh, well, we do want to spend some big money this year. So we want to kind of make a statement of the So Luke Shaw, yeah, 30 million, you know, and you go get him. Well, that takes not just the 30 million to you, Scott, but he's on a big wage. He's on the be- His wages have increased over the 10 years of being at Man United. You need to get rid of that wage. The wage needs to go because it's not helping you win the title. So I think that's the balancing act there is that fees might be smaller but it's the bigger wage earners that you ship out as quick as you can. There's the question of Harry Amass as well has been yep. talked about potentially being brought in <clears throat> to the squad for Luton. Yeah. And obviously so young. came up on Watford, didn't he? I think. It was yes, Watford. he did. Yeah. Uh, a little while back, very talented, played with United's youth teams for a while. Obviously, yeah. United don't have a left back for the rest of the season by the looks of it. So, they might have to do something unless you want to see Victor Lindelof play in that position for the rest of the year. And I, I, I don't want Delo. to see that. I think, Delo, I think when, when Wamsaka's back in two weeks, like Wamsaka yeah, actually played left back well. as well, didn't he? Yeah. So Wamsaka played left back the other day and, well, before, he, before he was out for his period. And, and I thought it was all right. He played quite well though because he seems to be learned to invert, which is something I still find bizarre that we never thought he'd be able to do stuff like that. Any final thoughts on defence? 
No, I think Harry Mass is, is the wild card there because obviously at 16, I'm saying like you throw 16-year-olds in. Barcelona have done this, obviously, with a very talented fullback that they've got at 16. Um, but I do think that the wider build, and you look at the next 12 months, Scott, that might be a route. You might go, actually, you know, we're going to get rid of a Luke Shaw and we're going to get rid of a, of a Lissandra Martinez because we're going to buy two centre-backs and then we're going to work with the left, the fullbacks that we've already got with Amas. We're going to work with Wambasaka. We're going to work with Delo, and we're going to even keep Malassia for a little while, see if he can recover. You know, pieces, isn't it? It's about how do your pieces work. I think in that back four, I think the most critical point are those two centre backs. I think if you find yourself centre back pairing, a lot of these problems go away. They really, really do. A lot of these things, you become stable week in, week out. And I like Luke Shaw. I just think Luke Shaw. I don't think three years' time he's helping you win the title. I think in three years' time he's retiring. <laughs> you know, I really don't think that he's going to be able to give you a lot of value for the wage that you pay him at the moment. Yeah, I that's ruthless. Sure. I, I, I don't think he sure goes anywhere personally. Huh? Sorry, I don't think he goes anywhere personally. But um, uh, not no, saying I, I'm lateral. not saying that he, he should be your first choice anymore. That, that's that's basically what I'm saying. Anyway, <clears throat> plenty of questions over midfield. We we kind of did this the other week, Rob. Actually. So maybe we can skim over this one a little bit more. But we I remember running through all of the midfielders here and naming Amrabat, mm. Ericsson, Casemiro, McTominay as Van de Beek, all of these players who could potentially leave in midfield. Yeah. Obviously, then there's questions. I know you probably want to say something about Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> um, Bruno Fernandes, Mason Mount. The only one you really lock in is 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 Kobe Maynou. Mm. And the others... How many, how many players we've been talking about have been injured all season? Mason Mount's another one. Yeah. You know? Uh a lot, a lot wrong here, but maybe any any names you want to pick out here? Well, again, I think it's more about who do you keep. And so the only one locked in, of course, is Cobby. So Cobby is the one you keep. He's the one who's going to be your starter forevermore. He's the one who you're going to rely on to to get you what you need in football matches. And do I think Cobby will be the guy in three years' time helping you towards the title? Absolutely. I think Cobby's going to be world-class. I think he's going to be your your Jude Bellingham, putting a lot on his shoulders there. But I think he's going to be your, your international footballer who's strutting his stuff for England and for Manchester United. So really, Scott, the, the question is, who helps Cobby be the best Cobby he can be? You know, or who can Cobby combine with in there? So let's start off with just completely rip through them. Casemiro gone. No thanks. Finished. Doesn't help you. Too big a wage. Off the bill goes. Amrabat, I don't even want to talk about. He's on loan. He's not staying. He's off out, out the picture. Mason Mount, I think at £60 million is a problem. Because if the, if he's going to be a guy that gets perennially injured every season, and this is what we feel now, because like last year it was bad at Chelsea, and we thought, well, he was better now. He's come back to Man, come to Man United, and it looks like the same problem, doesn't it? I can't get him on a football pitch. He might be one that you cut in the summer for a ridiculously low fee. He might be because he's on a really big wage. You can't have big wage earners at your football club that can't get on a football pitch. So that's a problem. But of course, I think it'll be more patient. Again, he's a Ten Hag sign-in. I think Ten Hag would like to go down the journey, the longer path with with Mason Mount. You're going to go buy players, Scott. Looking at Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes is not your number 10 and Eric Ten Hag's going to stay. Then I do think Unfortunately, Bruno's head's on the chop, chopping block as well. So it sounds like I'm saying everyone's up for sale, and it, it, they kind of are. No, but they are. Like they, they are. We, we said this on the on the pod a few weeks ago. Is that this is a proven ground for everybody over the next few months? They they need to show what they've got. Yeah. They, like 
in Bruno's case, he probably needs to show that he can adapt to the system that the manager wants to play, but he's been trying to do it for 18 months and can't do it. Yeah, if, if like Bruno Fernandes has always said publicly, oh, I can do all the midfield roles, 6, 8, 10, I can do it all. I, 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 when I was a kid, I did this, and when I was in uh, playing in Italy, I did that, and when I was in Portugal, I did this. Forget that. Again, it's the eye test. Like We just talked about Anana for like 10 minutes and the problems. Yeah, The great thing is that Anana's got all the stats in the world, isn't he? The highest save percentage in the Premier League and whatnot. But it's a there's a problem with what you're seeing stylistically, what, what the football team's trying to do. It's the same with Bruno Fernandez. He's got all the stats in the world. Incredible. You can people you can make a highlight reel of Bruno Fernandez tomorrow of 20 minutes, Scott, and it'll be gorgeous, amazing. Look at all these goals and assists. But the problem is, is that you need a number eight. You need a number eight. You need a number eight. That's it. And he's not a number eight. And he's playing there week in, week out. So he's the captain of the football club. And he's once again, Scott, one of your more sellable assets. He's actually someone, again, that people would want. Not everyone, but you could sell Bruno Fernandes. And he's pushing towards what? Is he Is he 30 now or 29? What, he's 29? Is that right? 29, I think. Sorry, I got myself off mute there. But... Sorry, 20, so 29. <laughs> uh, so 28, so, 29, yeah. So, you, you know, he's, he's certainly not past his sell-by date. But if you're not going to use him as the 10, and that is what you've decided, and again, Ineos might look at that and go, no, we want a different kind of 10. We want a more De Bruyne number 10 that controls flow more. We know Bruno Fernandes controls nothing. He doesn't control he turns, flow. He turns 30 in September. He turns 30 in September. So you've really got a very small window of whether you can sell him. Now, we do know, concrete fact, that he has interest in Saudi, and the, Saudi, the Saudis do want him and have wanted him for a while. And he turned down that opportunity before, and that's that's cool. He'll stay at Manchester United, he's the captain. But I do think that, again, in this build, Ineos will be ruthless. They will not look at these things and go, well, who do we want to hug and a cuddle with? Who's the guys that, you know, have been here all the way? They won't do that. They're going to look at it and they're going to go, you, 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 you don't help us, Cobby Manor, you do stay. It's going to be like that. And this is an opportunity, again, to take a massive wage off your wage bill. So I think with Bruno, if you're going to use him as number eight next year, Scott, just sell him. If, if you're going to use him as number 10 next year, keep him. Bruno's a great number 10. I love Bruno as the 10. And you might have a new manager, Scott, as well, that comes in and goes, actually, I love Bruno Fernandes as the 10. He's going to be my 10 every week. And you stick with it. That's cool then. But not if Bruno Fernandes is going to be your number eight next year. He doesn't work as number eight, does he, Scott? Like, it's no point trying to flog a dead horse and think that in 12 months' time, Bruno Fernandes is suddenly going to be a better number eight because he doesn't look after the football and he never will. At 29, he's never going to be a ball retention midfielder. He's just, he just isn't. I think he can do it, but it's just not who he is. So what's the point? Go buy a midfielder that can do it. Yeah, I mean, I personally can't see it happening in the first summer, his sale. Um, I think it's yeah. maybe in a year. I, th I think that that's where I think there's more obvious players that you look at uh, for the first summer to order that wiggle room. I don't know. I'm, mm. I'm not saying it's impossible, uh, but you know you have to. You can't just sell it like we said. We just you can't just sell everyone. I know the question to you, that's not what you were telling me 12, uh, uh, six months ago. You were like, "There's clear out," and I was like, "No clear out." <laughs> look, I'll, I'll put this. I pose this question to you, Scott. Do you do the obvious chopping out? Yeah, there's there's loads of players at Man United you could chop out. Like you just said, there's obvious names. Yeah, you could get rid of those players, but are they going to generate the cash? And as I said, more importantly, the wage structure that you need to go into the market and say, we now have a gap in our wage uh, brackets to be able to sign better players. And I think this is the problem, is that 
Man United haven't been able to sell players for years, not just because they've been rubbish, because it's really hard to sell your bottom feeders. You, if you want them off the bill, you can release them and pay off contracts. Someone like Scott McTominay, we didn't mention there, has now created himself a market. Absolutely. Mm. Scotty is much more sellable tomorrow than he was yesterday. So that's cool. But you might look at a McTominay and go, he's on small money, so we keep him because he does give you a little bit of value off the bench, even though he can't pass a football. It's actually, I think, the first team as all the people we think are bona fide Man United starters or close to that, I think are at the bigger risk now because you've got a bloke coming to the club that doesn't care about that. He cares about success. And is Bruno Fernandes going to be your captain in three years' time when you win the title? Absolutely not. For me, that's it. Unless he's playing 10. If he's playing the 10, maybe. Playing the 8, no chance. And I think we're going to see some shocks in the summer window because I think any of us will look at it like that and say we just need to create a space here now, a void of cash because we need to reinvest because FFP tells us that's what we have to do. So what the business is telling us as opposed to emotions. I think there's a more likely shock, which we'll get to in a, in a minute. But what the top end of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, do, I, do, I think that there's a more likely shock in that yes. in that area. But move to that in a minute. I, do, I just think... I, I agree with you, Rob, in terms of being the, the most sellable. I think Bruno is obviously right up there. I just think mm. there is a world where you can potentially keep him for a year, phase him a bit, and then make it... Because he is he's one of the United's most popular players at the moment. And I think oh, massively. They, they're going to want to keep people on side. And I think that would be a potential, you know, uh, a big a big problem for a lot of people. I don't know. Do you know what? I think I actually think it'll be a lot less of a problem than than what you're stating. I think there's a lot of Man United fans who actually see it and actually go, well, actually, the problem is football. It's not about popularity. You're right. Bruno is very popular, but I don't actually see him as someone in the next 12 months that you could phase out the team. I don't think he'll be a good bench sitter. I don't think he'll sit there for 12 months and look happy. He will look disastrously unhappy, and that will then be a bad vibe. So I think, again, with I say it all the time, I'm critical of Bruno. It's about function, about football. And I, and I think if you use them as a 10, great. Use them as the 8, get rid. You do it quickly and cut that cut that throat. Don't worry about popularity contests. Man United have done that for 10 years, Scott. Keep that player because they're popular. That player sells shirts. Bruno's definitely one of the biggest shirt sellers and 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 is massively popular, like you said. But I think there's a lot of United fans I've seen the last 12 months who have gone, he doesn't really give you everything. You've even done that, Scott. I think you've gone from six months ago saying, like, Bruno won the first names there. And you've said recently in midfield that he doesn't give you what you need. And I think there's that balancing act. How long do you wait? A year, two years, three years to phase out one of your more popular people? Or do you just go get the money and shock everyone, get 50 million from the Saudis and say, right, we now, we've now got extra money to buy that left back. We've now got that extra money to buy that centre back. And that's, I think, going to be the juggling act now for for... Dan Ashworth. I wonder what Dan Ashworth thinks about all that. He's gardening, so, you know, he's not doing anything. He's not. He's on his laptop uh, doing his job. <laughs> for Man United. Forwards. Right, forwards. I think, I think we lock in Hoyland and Garnacho. I think they're... Hoyland's a lock-in. Garnacho's a lock-in. Marcial, Mar- we've already talked about, is gone. gone. Then you've got... Right, should we do... let's do Marcus, because this is the one that I think is more potentially likely. Yeah. I think you see a potential route for him currently. It's opening up. And the way that he has... I want to say the way he's behaved, but, you know, he could have done without that stuff 
just a, a month or so ago. We could have done without it. He's not had a good season. Mm. Mbappe's going to Madrid. Rafa Liao's on the list for, for PSG. They've got a lot of money that they're, they're willing to, to splurge on a centre forward and a left winger. Mm. And I don't know. I, I could I could see it. I actually could. I'm, I'm not saying I'd like it to happen. Because in a perfect world, I think I'd prefer to, to see Rashford stay just because of who he is and this kind of thing. But, you know, if they made that choice, you could see why. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a double hard disciplinarian here. I don't care if he stays. I'm not interested, right? What I care but about Rob, is... There are right a lot of people who, who feel like that. Yeah, look, look, I, I, I love Marcus. Fair. That's completely I love Marcus, fair. right? As a person, I think he's done. I think he's been a great representative of Manchester United, and I think that his form has fallen off this year. And we know that with with Marcus stylistically, that that happens. He, he has good seasons, he has bad seasons. He had an exceptional season last year. Um, again, I look at it. I just look at it through the eyes of football. You know, the next six months will tell us whether Marcus Rashford has a future at Man United. Yeah, if he has a really good six months, you're probably not going to want to sell him. I think you're already getting to a point with Marcus Rashford and what we've seen in the last few weeks. And I don't like judging it in these short periods, but it's about what does this player help you do? Yeah. Let's compare it. Hoyland, I think, is already showing us that there's a load of upside for him. And it's not just that he's young. It's it's stylistically what he brings to the team. Garnacho has completely proved all the doubters wrong. Yeah, Everyone that said to me that Garnacho couldn't be a starter at Man United have absolutely have it shoved in their face because he can do that role. He can play left and he can play right. So you keep him, obviously. Then when you look at Marcus, I don't care how much I like Marcus Rashford. I care about winning football matches. If I'm Man United, if I'm Ineos tomorrow, and he's on what? what what's, what's his wage, Scott, United? I think he's a top earner. He? He's a top earner. So I want to say pushing, is he 450? No, I don't think it's that high. Three fifty, something like that. Three fifty. Yeah. He's on your top, top. He's your top earner yeah, at the football club, like David de Gea was last year. I'm looking at. I like David de Gea. I'm not keeping him. I don't feel sentimentality with footballers at all. It's a business. It's about winning. The business of winning is the most important thing. I don't think Marcus Rashford is helping you win. Not 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 as much as he did. So I'm selling Marcus. He's Mancunian. So what? There's 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 a market out there for him. Real Madrid are interested in him as well. There's there's out on the table. PSG are interested in him. They're all there. Open up and use these markets to get these players out your door. You've not been winning enough. Get rid. He's your biggest shirt seller. He's an England footballer. Sell him. Buy someone that will do the job and do it better and is younger and healthier and does all of those things that you want. So I think you've got to be in business. Just cutthroat with this stuff. And I actually think you're right. I think he is really on the chopping block as much as Bruno Fernandes for me. I think they're both on there because I think when you look at the style of the team, they're part of the stylistic problems. They really, really are. And I think the reason why we... we get on Eric Ten Hag's back, and I have, about style. I think poor thing for Eric is that he can't make these players do the things that he wants them to do. So do you know what you do? 
if you're going to keep the manager, get rid of the players and find it. And this is a one-time opportunity, Scott, to do it with a clear out. And this is why I'm saying that at the top of the show and why we're doing this show today. Because this is your chance. You're going to keep hoiling. You're going to keep Garnacho. I think Anthony's on the block. No doubt about it. And I think that's obvious. You can't even get in the team and now. That, that is going to be one that you just have to take. <laughs> you, you have to eat it on. Hey, you, you pay, you're getting less than half of what you paid for him. You might be able to go do a deal for in South America. You send Anthony back to Brazil and you might be able to go find a young player who's like got a load of upside and you might be able to do a swap deal there with actually some money coming back to you. So you might be able to get a really good young player and get yourself 20 million quid and you might be able to send Anthony in the opposite direction. So there are things, there are ways of doing it. I think Anthony's out the door. It's not even worth talking about. Like he's not He's not been good enough. And he, in the next six months, will have to prove whether he has a Man United future. Once again, Scott, an Eric Ten Hag signing. So again, think intrinsically linked to Ten Hag. He's also lost his place. Lost you know? it, and, and, and rightfully so, like through performance. So this is why I say about Marcus, is that Marcus's performance has formed definitely better in the last few weeks. And, and I wouldn't be surprised, Scott, if he goes on run now. Like, really wouldn't. That the next... Like how many games we've got to the end of the season now? Like with cup games, yeah. That it would not surprise me. Well, Rashford, probably about up to, up to 15, 20, depending. So, on like saying fifteen games, I would not be surprised if Rashford scores in ten of them because that's just what he is. He's that kind of streaky player. He just he, he's hit a bit of a groove now, and he's definitely got some chemistry with Hoyland and with Garnacho. So you know, long may that continue. He might prove himself. We might be getting to the end of the season going, well, you can't sell Marcus now. He's just just on red hot form, and you keep him, but. That actually might be what you use to trigger and make a sale because PSG then might go, huh, he's got 15 in 15. We need a player like that. Here, have a load of money and we get rid of that wage. I wouldn't be against it, Scott. They, they tried to get him. They, they have tried to get him before. Yeah. And there's a lot of slinks behind the scenes with his, with his former PR company, Marcus Rashford and PSG. So there's actually links there where you kind of look at what Rashford's people do as well. They will be able to speak to these people and negotiate a deal. So, yeah, I think Rashi's on the table for me and it's all, to me, it's just got nothing to do with with sentiment. Football and footballers must win you games. If you're at Man United, Scott, the, the absolute mandate now should be, and this should be what every manager and every owner should say, is unless you help us win, you do not stay here. You do not stay here to sell shirts. Jim Ratcliffe said the other day, Scott, this is a football first project. That has to be how it has to be. If you can help us win games, you stay. If you don't, you go and you keep it as simple as that. This summer, I think that's going to happen. A couple more names we'll talk about. I just want to ask on Hoyland, mm. has he done enough? We we had the conversation a year ago about, oh, Harry Kane and Hoyland, right? Mm. And it was, oh, let, let's, get, let's get Hoyland to... Uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, it's, it's, it's I bad. joke, I jest. It's called yeah. a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I was hoping it was. Uh, has Hoyland done enough now? I know he's only had a, a shortish scoring run, but has he done mm. enough now to think, right, this this guy's our centre forward, and we do need another one, but that role should now be a supportive one rather than somebody who's going to come and take the minutes from him? I think if you were going to say this is our guy, there's nothing wrong with saying that. But I think, again, it's short-sighted if Man United went down that route and said, well, this is our number nine now. Well, no. Do you remember once upon a time we used to have four of them? 
yeah, yeah, up top. So I think you have to build around that. I think that you can look at Hoyland and feel the load better. Again, looking at the metrics, I made the comparison last week to Haaland, and a few people were like, oh, what's a mad comparison? And I was, again, talking more about style than numbers. Actually, when you look at the numbers of the last 12 games or so, ones when Haaland has been fit, Hoyland has been more effective. Yeah, We know that Hoyland's on this big run now at the moment in terms of stats. I'll actually post it on Twitter later for anyone that's watching. I've got a stat file there, which I think Sky Sports News used the other day. And um, and, I, and I'll kind of explain why, why Hoyland has been so good. It's not just the goals for me. I think, Scott, you need to go in the market and find your Julian Alvarez. I'll keep saying that because you need an Alvarez-type player to play with Hoyland. And then you can start thinking about maybe moving Rashford out. Obviously, you're going to move Martial out. There's options there. And and I think he's proved it. Think this season, I've liked the body of work from day one. Yeah, he wasn't scoring goals, but he gives you a certain amount of physicality. He travels well around the pitch. And he just gives you so much control at the top end in the press. And if you want to expand that in months ahead, in the years ahead, then you stick with it and you add to it. You don't kind of just drop in and out. I'm not going to say he's our number nine and that's that because his form might drop off at some point, but he's young. He's, he's a young bull. That's what he is. You know what I mean? He's there and he wears that badge with pride. He's a Man United fan. I think that that does count for something, but Rashi's a Man United fan. Doesn't seem to be counting for much at the moment, does it? But I think the motivation is there to carry on developing. You definitely stick with him. I think him and him and Garnacho are the only two in that front line that, that are really a, a, a proper lock-in. We've not talked at all about, say, an Ahmad. Like, I think it's fair to say, I'm not quite sure Eric Ten Hag is sold on Ahmad at all. Like, it's getting zero minutes, and that's just how it goes. But Ahmad might be someone at the end of the season that, again, you could use as part of a deal, lose him out of the club. 30 million we paid for him. People forget that. And at this age now, he's still giving, he's given Man United nothing. So you might still be able to get some top side off him, 20, 30 million. Use him in a deal. Or, Scott, he might be the guy that's the solution on the right-hand side eventually. You might go, well, yeah, that's the balance. There's Garnacho, Hoyland, and Ahmad. And then you go buy your Julian Alvarez to supplement that attack. Yeah, Ahmad, I could I could see actually Ahmad being sold. Personally. I think so. Because I, I think could... even clubs in the championship might put up a, a, a big, big chunk of money for him. He's got value, exactly. And I actually think a Premier League team would take him. I think someone would yeah, look at yeah, him yeah. and go, well, <laughs> I actually think he's someone that will actually re- retain his value to a certain extent because of his age. So you mm. paid £30 million for him when he was no one and no one knew who he was. And we looked at that and we went, well, that's probably not bad business because you can develop him. But we already know, Scott, that, that obviously not out on loan now, but people like him. There's a lot of clubs out there that like him. I would not be surprised if you recouped every penny for him. And you might even be able to push it a little bit further and say, well... He could be a hundred million pound player in five years' time because he's that good. Sell it to the market and get yourself something north of thirty million that you paid for him. So, I'd like to see him giving a go as well, Scott. Like I like him. I think he's a good player, and we've not seen it yet. So, it's just whether Eric Ten Hag will ever give him that chance. There's two other players uh, to finish. Is there a way back for Jaden Sancho? No, I don't think so. Is there a way back for Mason Greenwood? No, I don't think so. They, I hesitated a little bit more there, didn't I? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so because I think again, easy kills, easy, easy way to get them off your wage bill, easy money to go and get some money from other clubs for them. 
Mason Greenwood has been building his profile in Spain. We know that, that clubs want him. Jaden Sancho has been doing his reputation no end of good in Germany by not playing well. So that's not good because um, you obviously want to move them too. I think, I, think, I think when it comes down to the crunch, with both players for different reasons, is that they do not fit the profile of what you want to do in Man United in the next few years. They just don't. They don't fit the ethos and they don't make you better. And there'll be a lot of people that say about Mason, oh, but Mason, before all of this happened, he was this, that and the other. Well, he's not that anymore. Like, he's not. Those days, that's gone. And we're on to a kind of new cycle here. Uh, I think Ineos will rightfully make a call on that down the line. And I think they're hoping he still Jim continues Jim Ratcliffe's got a bit of stick for saying what he said. He will he will get stick because he didn't he didn't do the posture inside of it. So he didn't just come out and say, no, he'll never play for us again, which is kind of what he, people he, want. He, he called it hype. Yeah, like, I I think the thing is, yeah, exactly. And choosing your words is very important, isn't it? You know, like it's I think what he was referring to was more the kind of press side of it and the, mm -hmm, the sort of, yeah. rather than because he also did say we need to work out if this guy is worthy of, of representing us. He kind of said the right thing, didn't he? That was, I think that was the main thing. And I actually think when it comes down to it, that they will make that call and say, well, it's easier to sell him, get his wage off the bill because he's on a decent wage as well. And you go by someone who who is, starts afresh. And a lot of this, Scott, is about starting afresh. That's how Ineos are viewing it. One of the things that Dave Browse would have said in private, but has leaked through, is that he wants this shock and awe value. He wants to bring in players. He wants to go quick on certain elements while saying to everyone, this is a slow build. So I, th I think we'll see that that those two players, well, not another player, you know, Donny van der Beek, you know, literally someone you're going to have to give away now, <laughs> like just to get him off your wage bill. You know, Christian Eriksen, you know, Christian Eriksen, I think is the sixth biggest or seventh biggest wage earner at Manchester United. If you can't use him next year because you don't want to use him in a certain position. Guess what, Scott? Zero. It's gone for zero. <laughs> so there's a lot of these players, I think, around the fringes that you're almost going to just give away. I'm going to look at the other top end and say, where can we make these savings? Because that's that's key now, imperative. You're going to have to make big savings if you're going to have a decent transfer window. And United are intending on that. Next summer, they want to have a decent transfer window where they buy players and sell players. It's quite exciting, actually. I mean, this is the the kind of thing you dream of on a football manager safe. And like, I'm, I'm yeah. waiting... I'm waiting for the update to come after the January transfer window so I can have a crack at it myself before United do it properly. So, you know. It's a proper reboot and refresh. And, and if you're going to, you know, one of the things that Jim Ratcliffe said in the interview, and we, we did mention this extensively, he said, we will decide the players. We will decide the style. We will decide all of the football uh, um, philosophy of this football club. And the coach will implement our, our values. And he also means the players. Yeah. So that is it. Like, unless these players can absolutely buy into what Ineos want to do, and Ineos are going to want to be Scott, I don't want to put it like this, but they've got, they want to, they're going to want to be like a Brighton 2.0. They want to be a club more like Brighton that's winning no, stuff. Mega Brighton. Mega Brighton. You know, Godzilla the, the, Brighton. The Brighton that can compete at the top. Let's just yes. Say that. The, that the Brighton, the, the best team in the world, Brighton 6.0. Like they want, they want that kind of structure because it's proven across Europe that it works. Yeah. And it's actually proven across South America. The teams that are doing South America as well and trade like that, it works. They don't want to be the old, inflated, flatulent Manchester United. They're not 
interested in those things and they're going to push away from that. And I think that, that's why you'll get these shocks with players because they're just going to look at a lot of it and it's going on. We haven't got two years to do that. We haven't got it. In three years' time, we're going to be winning the title. So we need to do this now and we need to do it quick and we need to do it with with the least amount of fuss. Like, talk about the top players there, Scott, and they're out the door. I don't think Ineos will give two hoots about it. They'll just go, yeah, thanks a lot. Bye. You're not our player anyway. So, you know, this guy coming in, who you know nothing about, he's our player. He's the player we're going to develop for three years because we think in three years' time he's going to win us a title. So I think that's where we are with the project. And it is exciting because I think if you're finally going to get a proper reboot at Man United that you can facilitate through a little bit of ruthless aggression. Even one that Rob believes in and dropped the wrestling reference in there. Uh, it's time though, isn't it? Like it's time. Like we 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 criticize Eric. I've criticized Eric. And and I think the thing is, he is hamstrung by these players. So this is your chance that if you're going to stick with Eric you get rid of these lot or some of this lot and bring in some new things for him. Or if you're not going to stick with Eric, it's also still the same time because a new manager needs that as well. A new manager would come in and I think might look at that and go, I don't care that Marcus Mashford's moody this week. That's not, I'm not interested in that. Like just get out the football club. Oh, Bruno, you're, like, you're giving the ball away 30 times today. I'm not interested in that either. Get out my football team. So those kind of things you see do matter, especially when you're making change with the Glazers. It was just change Scott with the caveat that things don't change. I think with Ineos, it's going to be the opposite. Yeah, get in the comments. Let us know. Give us your your your, your offload lists, and if you want, throw a throw a fantasy transfer fee next to them, uh, just because it's fun, isn't it? Maybe we'll do that later in the year, Scott. We'll do a fantasy transfer special where we buy and sell players for Man United. Because I think there's another conversation here is about who comes in. So I think we could do that show at some point as well. You know, need to create some wiggle room for them to spend money first. Obviously, I think they'll spend a, a bit regardless, but you know, uh, they there's there's I don't think this is going to be one of those years that it where you know, just say, Hey, do you want to leave, mate? and they're like, Nah, and then no, oh, if this time it might be, Hey, do you want to leave, mate? No, nah. well, tough. <laughs> it You're will out. be Scotty, we've done a deal with West Ham, thanks for your service, goodbye. Yeah, it'll be like that. I'm not saying Scott McTominay specifically. It'll be Bruno Fernandes. 50 million for you, Bruno. So, you know, we like you. We love you. Have a cuddle. Goodbye. Thanks for being captain. See you tomorrow. We bought someone else. Marcus. Yeah. Oh, look, PSG have come in for you. They're a big club. You know, you're happy. We're happy. Everyone's happy. We've got a fee and we've got rid of your fee. And now we're going to go buy this player. I think that's what it'll be, Scott. It'll be a lot more efficient. It's not going to be any kind of like, boo-hoo, teary eyes, players leaving. I never think of it like that. Eric Cantona, Brian Robson. Everyone else is up for sale. That's the way I've always looked at it with Manchester United. Footballers are going to help you win football matches for 10 years. We haven't. So let's try something different. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, The Promised Land, the Man United podcast. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, notification bell, hit that as well. We're close to a, a milestone subscriber base. So please, if you haven't done so already, get involved there and follow us on socials at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at TPL MUFC. And like I said earlier, get in the comments and tell us which players you don't want to sell, which players you would like to see sold, yes. which players you could see sold, which players are never, ever, ever going to be sold ever. And uh, we'll be back after, well, early next week. Hopefully you might get another three points at the weekend. And uh, we can continue moving forward, getting closer to the top four, top five. And then uh, we'll see where we go because the Manchester Derby is just over a week away as well. Not far uh, away, is it? Not far away. Anyway, 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for watching all week. Go back and listen to the show that we did on Wednesday evening as well if you want some more reaction to what Sir Jim has said. We went in-depth on that one. But until next time, this has been The Promised Land from Scott and Rob. See you soon. Have a great weekend. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.